You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of the Step Over Podcast. I am Jim Adair. With me as always is, uh, and this is not even going to work as a pun, and I'm not even attempting to make it work as a pun. Well, kind of. Oh, uh, boy. Max, happy 30th birthday, Purport. Thank you. Yeah. The big 3-0, buddy. Belated. Belated. But a uh, couple days off. But you've joined the club now, friend. I've, I felt washed for a long time, but now it's, it's really official. Yeah, you know, that's just kind of good when you hit 30 because, like, you f- if you feel, like, washed as hell for, like, three or four years in your 20s, you're like, whatever. Once you're 30, you're like, I can just use that as an excuse now. I'm in my 30s. It's it's a license you know? to be washed, basically. It 100%, yeah, and it's it's kind of great. I, I love it. Um, but we are here uh, not to just complain about being old men, uh, although we just do that anyway. Uh It is the end of the regular season. Uh, the Sixers won 51 games, which I will say... Max, uh, something that I said a lot on this podcast uh, in the early goings of the season, um, that it's entirely possible to have this team be better than the team that was last year, but win fewer games. And I think I was right. I think you uh, are. Just the way it all worked out with the trades and, and you know, stuff like that. So, uh, 51 and 31, 76ers, before we go into anything uh, playoff-wise or anything like that, uh, do you have any any lingering final thoughts on the regular season? I kind of just want to move on from the regular season. All right, and that's the podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, no, but so what? T- talk about why do you want to do that? Uh, it it just felt I, I don't know. T- tell me if you if you agree. With this. It just felt terrible. Like the the whole regular season just was not as enjoyable as I feel like it should have been. And sure, uh, I totally agree with you that they're in a better place than they were last year. Certainly going into the playoffs, I mean, they were obviously really hot last year, but the team is much more talented and I think more dangerous in the playoffs just in terms of roster construction than last year. But it was just a really frustrating season um, mm. in the sense that it, they had a few stretches where you felt like, okay, this is coming together, specifically right after the the All-Star break. Uh, there was a little bit of that um, earlier in the before the break. There was there was a, a stretch of maybe like three weeks where I remember us talking and being like, man, this is what it's like to... to you know, have your team be a real contender and and feel that. Right. And then since then, it, they are in the times in between and before that, it's just been this weird mismatch of like either the, the roster feels um, in flux because it is, um, mm-hmm. or just like recently you're just like, oh man, are they like, is this not what we think it is? And is right. this, is this not going to be the uh, possibly final con- finals contention or like Eastern conference finals team that we, we think it is, is this going to be a disappointing you know, end of the year, uh, mm-hmm. is Jimmy Butler going to walk? Like, I just feel like it's been, I feel like 51 wins with four, arguably four all-stars in your starting lineup should feel better than it, than it feels. 
And, mm. and I think part of that's just that it's been such a weird season and there's been so much up and down. So I'm, I'm ready to just like kind of move on from it um, and hope for the best in the playoffs. But I, it definitely wasn't a super enjoyable regular season for me or as much as it should have been, I think. Well, it was the first season with expectations. And that's, that's what the whole thing is, right? Because last year they went out and they won uh, 52 games uh, in a season where... I was fairly confident in a prediction of 38 wins to begin the year, and most people were in that general area. And then they played well above expectations with two young stars and then rattled off 18 in a row at the very end without one of those stars for most of that run. So that was played well, well above expectations. And then the playoffs worked out the way the playoffs worked out. But even in the playoffs last year, I was looking at that as we're ahead of schedule. This is a little bit of almost like playing with house money. Uh, you don't expect to win anything of, of any kind of merit at all this year. Um, so this is like a free look at, at what you look like as a playoff team with, with no expectations. Um, still not the result you wanted, but, you know, it was you did not expect to be there at all. This year, that's different due to, one, the fact that that happened last year. Two, the fact that uh, Embiid and Simmons are now a year older and you're expected to progress. And thirdly, the trades that were made that are very much, if not quote unquote win now moves, um, which I because I just I can't call the win now moves when there's like a win now move would have been like would have de facto full on made you the best team in the league, which you can't do when the Warriors still exist. Um, But it was certainly a, uh, you know, a a huge shortcut jump ahead um, move where you're like, we're going to try to bypass some of these middle years and go right for the throat. Mm-hmm. So that put a lot of pressure on it. The growing pains that came with bringing new players in, um, that was a whole, whole huge thing. And it, like this is what it is like to play uh, with expectations, right? This is what it's like when your team is no longer a, a gang of lovable misfits and they're a contending NBA team that has to perform at a high level on a consistent basis. Um, and, and it's both less fun and more fun at the same time because it's more fun because the team's better, so you have more things to be happy about and cheer for, but it's less fun because uh, there's no other side of the coin, right, where when the team was really bad or, like, just kind of, like, doing well, it's like, all right, well, they got absolutely roasted by this team, but, like, look what this one guy did, or, like, oh, wow, they really gave the Warriors a fight and didn't win, but, like, wasn't that fun? There's none of that anymore. Um, and that's that's kind of changed the entire outlook of of who they are as a team. So I completely see what you're saying. I still had a lot of fun this regular season, um, but I completely see what you're saying because this is what you were striving for the whole time is is this this mode this this uh, this status of the team. And now that it's here, there's a lot of pressure, and it's never fun being under pressure. Totally, and I, I think maybe part of it too is when you're a contender and when you when you have expectations, it's like all of a sudden it goes from you know in any normal year, just the fact that Joel Embiid put up like twenty eight, thirteen, and four and was a monster for right. the entire season. Yeah, that on its own would be like, man, what a great year. And now yes. it's like, man, our ninth man really sucks. Like, you know, James Ennis getting hurt, and now it's, it's you know, Zaire Smith has to step in. It's like you're worried about the ancillary stuff because you just take all the really great stuff for granted. Um, exactly. So now now we're judging the team based on uh, the fact that TJ McConnell is their 
first or second best player off the bench, and right. that's not great. Uh, when in any other year we would not care about that at all. Yeah, I mean, you got to kind of step back sometimes, and maybe that can happen after the playoffs or whatever. But you kind of have to realize, like, yes, the pressure is on. They need to be going for things. They need to be improving this team. But you got even discounting the guys you brought in whose contracts are at the end of the season in Tobias and Jimmy. You got Embiid and Simmons on this team. And two players of that caliber at that age is incredible. And most NBA teams don't even have one of those guys, a a player of that caliber, not even close. So you got to appreciate it. Like, you know, you want to win the games and you want to go as far as you possibly can. And maybe with retrospect, but like, they're still in a great spot. And this is, these guys are still young. Beats 25, Simmons is 22. Uh, the window is not closing, even if what something happens this offseason where the two guys they brought in both walk. Um, but the time for looking ahead to stuff like that will be after the playoffs are over. But I just wanted to get that out there because I was thinking about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So, Max, let's take a look. Uh, we did, uh, I don't know if anyone recalls, uh, in our season preview, we did a bunch of over-unders. Uh uh, some we found, uh, I found like the Vegas overrunners, and, and then we kind of added some additional ones that we made up uh, on top of it. Um, we did uh, ones for Markel Fultz and Dario Saric and Robert Covington, uh, which have been voided because they don't count anymore, uh, especially the Fultz one, but I will mention one of those. So I'm just, we're just going to go through these. There are, um, I think, uh, 15 uh, that weren't voided, uh, and we can just go through these quick. And then if you have anything to say about them, uh, defending your, your stance or, or celebrating your victory, uh, feel free to jump on in there, Max. Are you good? Yep. All right, cool. First off, over-under wins is 53.5. You and I both went under, and we were both correct. Hell yeah. Uh, we both said the exact Pessimism. same thing, which, which was... We, well, it's the same thing we just said, right? That they can have a better team, but fewer wins. Uh, this is the one that I want to mention that was voided. Uh, it was Markel Fultz points per game. Uh, it was 10.5. <sighs> We both, not only is that vo- voided, but we both went over, and I think both our reasoning was, I mean, it has to be, right? And the answer was, no, it does not have to be. <laughs> uh, so next, um, uh, Ben Simmons' points per game, we set it at 15, or it was set at 15, uh, ended up at 16.9, very nice. Uh, both correct. Both got that one right nice. as well. Uh, JJ Redick points per game was at 15.5. I took the over, Max. You took the under. You were super, totally, incredibly wrong. 18.1 is how it ended. Uh. So way to go, Max. I'm up, I'm up on your one there. Uh, next one was Joel Embiid point per game. 23.5. I think we uh, both smashed the over, right? We both smashed the over. And if I remember correctly in the conversation, uh, you were like not the more confident in the over. We were both like, they'll, he'll hit the over. But I remember, I think I specifically remember you saying you could see it being in the 28-29 range. So you were really close, too. But we both got the over on that one. We were both right. Uh, blocks per game was at 2.1. We both hit the under. It was 1.9. Both nailed that. Both good so far. Uh, Joel Embiid games played was at 67 and a half. Uh, Max, you, you, you smacked that over. Uh, I smacked that under. Damn. 64. I was correct. Uh, Joel Embiid rebounds per game, 10 and a half. Uh, both smacked the over. It was 13.6. So we got that. I feel pretty uh, good. I feel, like we're, I feel like we're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, one of us has done better than the other, but we'll get to that in the end. Uh, we collectively have done a really good job. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, I should have put money on some of these, man. Uh, ben Simmons' rebounds per game was at 8. Uh, we both smacked the over, and it is 8.8. We are both correct on that one. Uh, ben Simmons' assists per game was set at 8 as well. 
Mm. I smacked the over. You smacked the under. Oh, 7. I smacked the under 7. on that? You did? I'm shocked. 7.7, 7, so you got that one right. That doesn't feel um, good because I, I, in my head I was like, damn, I got that wrong. It, it, yeah. it did not feel great. Uh, JJ Reddick three-point percentage was set at 41.5. Uh, because I am a super cool genius, I smacked the under. Max, you, Max, you smacked the over. 39.7, I was correct. Um, another void one. Uh, this doesn't count as me being wrong and you being right because uh, it's been voided. Uh, Markel Fultz three-pointers made was at 44.5. Uh, you hit the under, I hit the over. But doesn't, it doesn't count. Uh, that's not a real one because <laughs> of the trade. Because of the yeah. trade, not because of the... the he would have gotten there. He would have gotten there. Uh, ben Simmons triple doubles. Uh, we set it at 12. We, this is one we set. We wow. set it at 12 and a half because he had 12 last year, one in the playoffs. We both hit the over. Uh, ended up with 10. Really? Um, I, I thought yes. for sure that was going to be, as you no, were saying no, no, no. it, I was like, oh, wow, yeah. went way over that. I think it was because earlier in the year he had like how many games? It was like, well, I think we talked about it. It was like more than half of his games were like a point or a rebound or an assist away from a triple double. Exactly. So you just but, assumed um, he was going to get there. At one point, I remember, I, so I checked in on this, I think, right before, like, like maybe a month before the All-Star break, and then I checked in again on it about a month ago, um, and that was when he had 10, and it stayed at 10. But the first check-in I had, he only had two, so he piled on eight real quick there in the middle, mm-hmm. um, but just couldn't get to 12. So we were, both of us were actually wrong on that one. Uh, over under longest win streak of the season, nine and a half. Max, you hit the over, and you were wrong. I hit the under. The total was six. And um, six, yes. God, that's uh, really bad. That's that's I think why this year felt so bad. Mm-hmm. It just they uh, they just it never felt like it came together in the way that even like last year at the end. Obviously, they had that crazy stretch, yeah. and that just felt so good. There w- there wasn't a moment that that matched anything no. close to that. Um, over under Sixers in the All Star roster one and a half. We both said over. It was in fact uh, over. It was two. So we both got that one right. Uh, two more. And these are fun ones. Um, over under Joel Embiid technical fouls. Um, he had six last season. We set the over under at eight and a half. Do you know Max how many he got and what your guess was? Give me the numbers again. Sorry. Uh, he had six last season, and we set the over under at eight point five. Did I go under? Uh, we both hit the over, and it was ten. So we both got that one right as well. Um, just a fun, a fun fact there that he had ten, uh, and then finally, uh, I remember this one is, um, I, I, I changed my choice on this one while we were discussing it because I had the over, uh, and it was games Jared Bayless plays with the Sixers. Um, I set the over under at thirteen point five. He played zero. But here's the thing that I thought was pretty good. He was traded after 13 games. Wow. So I forgot my thing, that Jared I was kinda, was on the roster at the start of this year. I was, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, that 13 wasn't a bad number. But yeah, he played zero. We both hit the under, so we both got that one right. Uh, I don't know if you're keeping score there, Maxwell. Uh, but the final tally, Max, in the 15 games, you went 10 and 5, which is respectable. However, it is not as good as 13 and 2, Damn. which is what I did. Nice job. So, yeah. Thank you. I would have actually made some money if I actually did any of that on a kind of betting website. But I don't bet because they never go that well for me, really. Um, all right. So moving on, 
to uh, a less fun thing. Uh, let's talk about Joel Embiid and his lingering left knee issues. Um, the update that we basically just got, uh, this is Friday afternoon, um, is that uh, kind of your standard Embiid uh, injury update type thing, which is uh, discomfort, uh, pain, and uh, it will be a game time decision based on how the pain feels. Uh, and it will essentially be up to Joel since he's the only one who can tell you how much it hurts. So that's where we are, and that feels less fun. Um, I'll say this. I said this last night. We'll get to the matchup things in a second. But uh, you do remember that they played... Um, granted, they were on an 18-game win streak at the time. Uh, they played the first, I believe, two games of the playoffs last year without Joel when his face exploded. Um, and it, that didn't wasn't a concern. Uh, but the Brooklyn Nets this year are much better than the Miami Heat were last year, so that's something to worry about. But, Max, how do you feel uh, confidence-wise, concern-wise, um, just general general mood on this? Uh, real bad, honestly. Um, Fair, reasonable. Yeah, it just feels like, I don't know, it feels like every other injury the Sixers have ever uh had or reported on or talked about but um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm less concerned about whether he'll come back for the first game and more just like is this going to be something where he has some sort of surgery or procedure in the offseason is it going to be saying it lingers um because i think he'll play I, I think it whether he plays in the first game or not i think he'll be back i don't think he's gonna miss the whole playoffs or something so i, I think he'll right. be back when it matters um mm-hmm. if he's not there for the beginning i think if they go down in the series or it's close i think he would come back or maybe they'll just let him rest his first round but i'm just concerned that you you have this situation with him where um they're having to manage it the way they've managed it to this point and just like what that means for the off season and and next season more more even than this year Yeah, yeah yeah um i agree uh i'm not even really thinking about like an off season surgery type deal although generally um and you know if anybody out there is a science doctor uh they can tell me how wrong i am but my general perception i think most people is is that like if you have a lingering problem and it needs surgery that's bad however getting surgery is good because it should fix said problem so that's not something i'm crazy worried about um because if you get surgery get surgery can't do anything about that uh but yeah i mean it's just if it's up to him and it's a pain thing then that sucks because you see him hobbled a little bit sometimes, and then you, your main concern is not how he plays uh, with said injury, but by playing with said injury, it exacerbates other problems. Um, it seems like causing a bigger injury is an issue. Um, you know, you don't want him favoring his right knee because his left knee hurts, and all of a sudden he lands wrong and tears something or whatever. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. That's obviously a bad thing. However. Um, Joel knows his body. Joel knows what he can and can't do. Sometimes he's a bit overzealous, obviously, and because he, he wants to out there and play and probably maybe does a little bit too much than he should, jumping in the in the seats and stuff like that. But I trust him. I trust Joel. He knows his body. He knows what he's doing. Um, if he says he's good, he's good. If he says he's not, he's not. Um, once he says he's good, I you know you monitor him a little bit. You watch him, see how he's leaning because he's not the type of guy to be like. Uh, once he says I'm okay and playing, like oh this this is bad. I need mm-hmm. to come out. Um, so keep an eye on that, but you have to trust the player. That's what he's, you know, he's a, he's a grown man who knows his own body, who knows what he can and can't do. Um, 
and you just got to trust him with that. So I'm not crazy worried. We'll see how it is if like this is the same thing we're hearing pre game three. Um, but if you have to miss a game or two of round one, it's not the worst thing in the world, honestly. And um, if that's what caused you to lose a series to the Nets, then I hate to say it, but you were never going to go that much that far anyway, really. Um, I know this team lives and dies through Joel Embiid, but if missing two games in the first round against the sixth seed uh, is what dooms your season, then it was already doomed. So there's that. And there's also the fact that I just got horse blinders on, man. I'm not looking to the sides and getting distracted. Looking dead ahead. Can't tell me nothing. Eye on the prize. Taking my horse to the old town road fucking doing it that's where i'm at right now i am not i've been talking to, i was talking to people last night uh will i be like anxious uh right before tip off uh tomorrow yeah sure uh but right now nah fuck that i'm all in this is happening they're winning this series in five games i don't give a shit maybe even four that's how i'm seeing it eyes forward no distractions winning the fucking series how do you feel about it, Max? I wish I had your confidence. I, 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 I it's will not say even I, confidence. It's just fucking mind. Like, what is the like? I've gotten to the point now. Like, I've we've talked about this before too. After living with this team, uh, and it, over the last couple of years, the what it does to, what makes you confident and unconfident and nervous and not nervous, um, and for, like for once in my entire life, I have a control on my anxiety about one thing, and it's just this. And I'm just like, fuck it. Me being anxious or nervous about this does nothing to the team's performance, obviously, and it does bad things to me. So, eyes forward, winning the goddamn championship until we don't, and then I'm like, ah, well, fuck. But that's where I'm at. I am full confidence mode going forward. Nothing can stop me. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get on board with that. I I would like to have that level of confidence, and I, I think... I think I do to an extent. Like I think even without him beating this first round, they should win this series in five. Yeah. Um, so I, I do have confidence. Like, and I'd even be okay if if they're concerned about his knee and they think rest will help. Like, shut him down for the whole series and bring him back in game six or seven if it gets to there. Right? If it gets that that far, I, I'm mm-hmm. totally fine with that. I'd, I and I think this group minus Embiid should still be able to handle the Brooklyn Nets. And if they can't, that's a that's kind of a bigger problem, honestly. That right. I don't think Embiid alone can can fix like if they're not going to beat the nets without without Embiid, they're not going to beat the raptors in the next round with Embiid. right um so i guess i'm i'm not as concerned in that sense um and i guess i guess like you said i'm not i'm not super concerned like long long term i mean he had said that this is something he experienced last year and obviously um it ended up not really being a problem in the playoffs and obviously not a problem this season or in the summer um mm-hmm. And that there aren't any structural issues. It's just a pain management thing. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll I'll try to adopt your your uh, your blinder optimism. I mean, we've earned this, right? As fans, uh, the team has has worked very hard to get here, right? And there's still this is not an end of the road type situation. This is the beginning of a road going into the future, right? Mm-hmm. So before we get you know, tainted and miserable uh, over what could potentially be multiple playoff exits um, before we get to the point where 50 wins isn't good enough. Before we get to there, we're in the sweet spot right now. We watch so much bad basketball and now it's good. 
this is the spot where you like this is where being an, a completely irrational fan is fun like fuck it they're winning the whole thing like what's the point of being here if you can't try to have that because that's where the enjoyment comes from right just like your team sucks our team's great screw off have some fun with it because if it doesn't happen this year it's not gonna be, it's gonna be less fun next year it doesn't happen next that year it's gonna be less fun the year after that right so this is the time this is the year because last year like i said it was a lot of fun because we're basically like playing it with house money but there was never really a shot of going super super far there is this year it feels like there is so just fucking buy in it, believe me you will you will have more fun it's true, and and it's it's true because I, you know, what you just said about uh, this is the time to be an irrational fan. It's like I spent years convincing myself that like if Evan Turner can just, you know, uh, can work on his three pointer and not turn the ball over as much, and you know, uh, Maurice Spates pans out, and you know, it's like I've just, I've spent so many years like uh, thinking the team could do that, all these small things could turn out right and the Sixers could contend or at least compete um, and it's like if I can convince myself of that and convince myself of an Andrew Bynum, Thaddeus Young Drew Holiday core being a contender in the East I can convince right. myself that this Sixers team even with the Embiid uncertainty and even with the fact that they played what 10 games together uh, the starters like I can convince myself that we're okay and and that I, I should be excited yeah. about this this playoffs especially with the east looking the way it has this is the the, the clearest route um despite how good the bucks and, and raptors are uh, and the celtics are still a problem for the sixers like yeah. despite all that like this is the clearest route the sixers have had since 2008 2007 mm -hmm. you know so yeah. uh and even and in most of those years they weren't even they there was no route because they weren't good uh, but the right. east just is is up for grabs at least for this year and, and probably for the years to come yeah. I mean, I was I was at one point like one asking myself like why didn't the Sixers sign Scotty Wilbekin to a contract? Yeah. And that's fucking ridiculous. Um so yeah. I was on board with Furkan Aldemir. Like that's you know, elite rebounder, but I thought Arslan um, Kazemi would be a thing. Yeah, he was that's never a thing, was. not once. No. Not even once. No, he was not. Um all right, let's talk about the matchup a little bit. Uh and then we'll just go into uh Sure. You want to take in questions? We've got a lot of cool questions uh, this week. Um, so, I don't fear the Nets. I'll just say that. Again, I don't fear nobody. Can't tell me nothing. But um, the numbers don't look great, but there's a caveat, right? So, on the year, um, the Sixers actually shoot very well against the Nets, right? They're. they're Free throw, three-point, and field goal percentages are all up against the Nets than they are uh, on the year as a whole. Mm -hmm. The Nets are up as well. Like, the Nets shoot. Sixers uh, hold opponents to 34% from three, which is, like, top five in the league, I believe. Uh, the Nets shoot almost 39% against them from three. So that's an issue, right? Stuff like that. There's matchup stuff. But, um, as uh, Johnny Airport's tweet uh, actually says here, I have pulled up. Uh, the only game the Sixers played against the Nets with their five current starters was the one a couple weeks ago when Joel Embiid dropped 39 points. Uh, they lost in the twice. They're 2-2 two two against the Nets this year. In the first loss to the Nets, Dario, Covington, and Fultz all started. Uh, and in the second, uh, Korkmaz and Wilson Chandler started. Those feel like separate seasons to me, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. 
Remember when Wilson Chandler was on the Philadelphia 76ers? It was not that long ago. It was like one and a half haircuts ago. And Mike Muscala, too. Yeah, man. That feels like what a long the time ago. Fuck. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So that we have some questions about the, the Nets lineup too or matchups and lineup that we'll get into too, so I'm not gonna go super deep right now. But like I said, they're 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 scarier than the Heat were last year. Um, but I'm not I'm not worried. I'm not at all worried. I, I think they I, win it in yeah. five. Um Jangelo Russell will have a couple hero ball games. One will be good enough to win, two won't. Um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm really really not concerned. Yeah, and I, that's kind of where I'm at too. Like I I this is the team I did not want to play. Um, yep. And uh, we we talked about that. That I just think they're they're more dangerous than any of the teams uh, than the the Pistons, the Heat, or the Magic, who are all at the end there, kind of, and and the the Hornets especially, who are all in contention to to slip into that sixth spot the last few weeks of the season. Um, I guess, I guess for me, it, it just goes back to like, yes, that team is dangerous for a six seed, but the Sixers just shouldn't have a problem with this. Like you're looking at this roster and it's like, D'Angelo Russell is going to smoke them uh, in probably at least half the games. And that's fine. Like he's done that in, in games this season where, I mean, he can go off for, you know, for 28, um, and the Nets can still lose to the Sixers by by 20. I'm much more concerned about, like you were saying, I'm concerned about uh, them defending the three. I'm, uh, I think pick and rolls like concerning because Andrew Russell's become a really good pick and roll ball handler. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, I think with their bigs, they actually, you know, especially when B doesn't play, that concerns me a little bit. Is their ability to to defend that? Um, like Boban just gets fucking toasted, uh, and for whatever reason, is just like not as good of a rim protector as you would expect from a guy who mm. is like, uh, you know, a, a giant. But he he just I feel like especially in pick and roll, he just gets out of position and, and gets and gets beat a lot. Um, I'm a little concerned about. Um, I guess I'm concerned about about uh, to an extent about Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler just because they've both been pretty cold. Um, and if you're if you're not having if you don't have Embiid in this series, um, you're leaning a lot on JJ Redick to like keep up what he's been doing on Ben Simmons to really take over. And if Tobias Harris is going to keep is going to continue on this cold stretch, like that concerns me a little bit. Uh, the idea that you're then you're then you're then leaning if 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 JJ is not hitting, you're leaning heavily on Jimmy Butler, who has also struggled and not been super efficient and. Um, I don't think matches up super well against the Nets because they have a few wing wing defenders who I think can can uh, match up well with him. So I just think it's overall not a great matchup for the Sixers, um, and I just think the Nets are pretty good. But at the same time, it it, it shouldn't go past five games, and if it does, that's really a, a problem. Uh, I think a, a a much bigger problem for the playoffs in general, even if the Sixers get out of the series in six. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, before we get into questions, since we have a lot of questions that are going to kind of cover the, the Brooklyn matchup as well, uh, do you want to go around the league, Max, and make predictions on the overall playoffs? Sure. All right. Uh, I'm actually writing mine down right now, so I don't have to think about them as we're doing it. So give me one second. I am almost finished. Um, and we'll go. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Milwaukee, Detroit. Milwaukee. In, are we saying the number of games, I'm assuming? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Milwaukee in four. I have Bucks in four as well. Uh, Toronto, Orlando. I'll say Toronto in five. I also have Toronto in five. Uh, Sixers, Nets. I have Sixers in five. Sixers in five, yeah. Uh, Boston, Indiana. I, I think it's like Celtics in four or five. I'll say five. I have Pacers in seven. Wow. Oh, uh-huh. You heard me. Uh, Warriors, uh, Clippers. I'm going to go Warriors in six. I have Warriors in five. I think LA takes game one. Hmm. Uh, Denver, San Antonio. Uh, Denver in five. I have Denver in six. Uh, Portland, OKC. Uh, I'm going to go OKC in six. I have the same thing. <laughs> I feel like we're, uh, we, we have not, we, we haven't disagreed on a series yet. And the most we've disagreed on, I think is, is a one game disparity. So no, I said Pacers in seven. Oh, you said Pacers in seven. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Houston. Well, I mean, also like some of these first round matchups, like I yeah. think, I th- do think Oklahoma city is a six season to beat Portland. I think Pacers as a five are going to beat Boston, but the rest of them, I, I don't think will be really that close. Uh, Houston, Utah, Houston in four. I have Houston in five. All right. So that's where we're at there. Um, Let's take a quick break, which we forgot to do earlier as well, fully. Um, And then we will get into uh, a bunch of questions. All right. uh, We are back. Uh, Let's just going to... I'm just going to jump into some of these. We have them over uh, two different uh, kind of Twitter threads from the past few days. So apologies in advance if I'm kind of bouncing around uh, a little bit. I'm also just writing something down that you don't have to worry about. Okay. Uh, Question one. Uh... If, this is from Vitor Mello. Uh, if Curry and KD are both injured for the rest of the season, uh, who do you guys believe the Sixers can beat or come close to win the finals? Is there any Western team? This is actually probably the, the gist of the question. Is there any Western team more dangerous for the Sixers than the Raptors uh, in the East in this situation? Um, so essentially, <clears throat> if you were to somehow get to the finals and you, you got past Toronto mm-hmm. to get there... Is there any team that you would look at in the West that's not the Warriors where you think, oh, shit, they're better than Toronto? That's a good question. Um, Houston? I have an answer. I have Houston, yes, um, but I think the Sixers could take Houston in seven. Uh, if you get past Toronto and somehow, honestly, looking at the West, if you count the Warriors completely out, uh, I'm weirdly worried. I mean, I don't think it'll happen. This matchup would never happen in the finals, but I'd be worried about Oklahoma City. Yeah. Because they just, they're a fucking nightmare for the Sixers. Yeah, I'd be worried more about them. That probably the finals, finals Russ would terrify me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm more worried about them than like Denver, even. I think Denver's mm-hmm. really good, but mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I'm more concerned about OKC. Uh, yeah, Utah doesn't agree. scare me. The Clippers don't scare me. Uh, San Antonio certainly doesn't. Um, Portland, I think, is, you know, especially with the injury, I, I just think doesn't really scare me that much. And the Sixers right. match up fairly well with them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. But I, I think Houston, I don't agree with you that they could beat Houston in seven. I think probably Houston is the team I'd least want to face other than the Warriors, followed by Oklahoma City. Actually, if I was going to rank it, I'd probably go Houston, then the Raptors, then Milwaukee, then Oklahoma City. If I was going to rank for, between the the two conferences, who I who sure, I sure, but you mean you, you're not going to you can't play Toronto and Milwaukee. Well, yeah, no, you could. You yeah, 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 you, you would can. play them in the in the oh, Eastern Conference. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. So if, if you need to rethink your your blinder optimism, 
No, <laughs> fuck it. No. Hell no. Because you, you got going. Toronto, Milwaukee, and uh, probably the Warriors uh, they're not even, they're not in, your, in your blinders directly in front of you. <laughs> None of those teams have come from real cities. You heard me. I'm sure Milwaukee is very lovely, and I'd love to visit Toronto. But you heard me. Um, okay. Uh, Dylan Canova asked, if the Sixers were to lose to the Nets, what does the offseason look like? Oh not focused on it. Uh, does it change their approach to trying to re-sign Butler or Jimmy? Uh, I will just say this um, before we get into other questions that are going to be about this, too. Actually, I'll just tie it in another one here. Uh, uh, case underscore in point asks, do you really think it's time to get rid of Brett Brown or is Twitter overreacting as usual? If they lose to the Nets in the first round, whether it be injuries or just losing... Brett Brown, there's no way he has a job next year. There's a 100% chance he is fired if that happens. 100% chance. Who do you think think is the coach? If if you had to take your best guess in that scenario, do you think it's like Monty Williams, or do you think they go somewhere totally different? I think Monty's going to be picked up by somebody else. Um, But if the Sixers lose in the first round, it's possible that hasn't happened yet. Well, that's what they got Jim O'Brien lying in wait for. Oh, God damn. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's the thing that this is this brings up a, a, a subject that I hope not to have to talk about on the podcast the very a very soon to be determined date. Um, that move is enormous at showing you ownership and Elton's abilities to do their job correctly, right? Because Brett's been there since the beginning. It's been there since Hinky and Brett, right? Mm-hmm. And then Hinky was essentially forced out. Uh, so that was not an ownership choice. Colangelo was essentially forced out, so that was not an ownership choice. And then Elton, uh, who I like a lot, was an internal candidate, uh, so that seems like a very just like, oh, let's pick that guy, ownership choice. So really, the owners have never made a fucking decision, um, and if they have to do that, the decision to fire Brett, that shows them actually doing something, and then who they would hire next, it's like they actually have to make a fucking decision, uh, which terrifies me. Um, but yeah, if they lose to the Nets, there is zero chance Brett, Brett has his job uh, next year. Uh, I like him a lot, but like it, you, it'd be really hard to defend that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when it, does it change their approach in trying to sign, re-sign Butler or Jimmy? That or it says Butler or Jimmy, but it's Tobias or Jimmy. I understand what you're saying. Uh, that that would depend entirely on how they perform in that series. I think that's probably the case more for Jimmy than Tobias. Um, because Jimmy was got as this closer, as this playoff, you know, assassin guy, right? So if yeah. he doesn't show up, then I don't think they offer him a max. And I think Tobias, the, what they do with him in the offseason will have a lot less to do with a, a one-series performance. I, I think they're pretty locked in on bringing Tobias Harris back. Like, I, I, don't, think, I don't think there's any, any scenario, anything that could happen other than an injury, a catastrophic injury in the playoffs that would keep the Sixers from being interested in bringing Tobias Harris back. Um, mm-hmm. I think Jimmy Butler... Honestly, I think it's more so than like the Sixers deciding, oh, yeah, he's not the guy because of the way the playoffs go. It's more him being like, yeah, I'm out of here uh, if, yeah. if we lose to the Nets in the first round. And it might be the Nets who, who offer him a contract. Like, yeah, I, the Nets are a team that, that I, I think would be interested. Uh, obviously, the Clippers, um, who even knows with the Lakers now, what <laughs> who they're going to be able to get or what they're going to be interested in doing. But they have money. Like I do worry about Jimmy Butler leaving, and I worry a lot about him leaving if it's uh, if it's a first round exit. I, I just I, I think there have there has to be some change at that point, and also there's uncertainty about who the coach would be, so that might affect Butler. You know, I just I just right. think uh, yeah, it's hard for me to imagine both coming back if they lose in the first round. But I think Tobias Harris comes back no matter what. So it's it's really mm-hmm. whether I think Jimmy comes back or not. 
Uh, Bob blah blah PhD asked, which Sixer, past or present, would win the Game of Thrones? I'll tell you who wouldn't. Sam Hinkie would not. So I might, might feel like an easy answer, but Sam Hinkie is very obviously Varys, and he's not sitting on that goddamn throne. So I, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Is there like? Oh, you motherfucker! I know. Does does the is there truly like a a? I mean, I know there's not like a uh, specific Game of Thrones, but is no, did, there is. There is. Okay, so there's like yeah, Game of Thrones like, has like a, a meaning. Well, yeah, it's like a it's like a uh, wheel of fortune wheel, almost like a roulette. Um, and you kind of, if you want you to defeat someone, you spin the wheel and you roll their skull around the outside. Uh-huh. And depending on where it lands, uh, are you buying this, by the way? It's completely made up, and I lost where I was going. It's not a <laughs> it's, real thing. I, I, I was going to ask. I was going to wait until the end to went, see where it you went. went. You went, uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, I might have them here. Uh, no. But it's, you know, it's a, you know, it's a metaphorical game. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to involve a lot of... I would have believed you had, you had you scaled it back a little bit. Yeah, I know. I went too far with the skull but I thing. Bel- but I don't know. I've seen some some shit. Uh, That's just true. As, as a human being living uh, on planet Earth, I've like seen enough Game of Thrones things to like sort of have an idea of the crazy stuff that happens. So like, sure, it wouldn't be so outside the realm of, of things for them to have an actual. Well, tell, well, just 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 give me a name, past or present, who you think would would do this, and I, I'll kind of judge your answer. How about that? Who I think would would, uh, would spin would a skull win, around win. or would win no. a, a metaphorical <laughs> would, game of would, thrones? A metaphorical like you know, world worlds at war with, on multiple fronts. Uh, you need a lot of cunning, but also uh, you know leadership abilities and, and actual like strength. Uh, who do you think fits that bill the most? I, I kind of feel like Jerry Colangelo would be a, a a character on Game of Thrones. Would be like a he would uh, be, and he would have he would do uh, well. I think. He would have he would have been done fine enough until spoiler alert someone shot him with a crossbow when he was taking a shit. Because <laughs> he's Tywin Lannister, I can go all day. If you want to not be spoiled for Game of Thrones, too fucking bad. Um, I think uh, you need someone who is very skilled. Um, but you might like they're they're kind of unassuming maybe right where you're like. They're not really seen as a real threat, but they are mm-hmm. a real threat, and they kind of like disarm you with charm, uh, and maybe they like maybe they're well dressed, maybe they're fashionable, and you think they're mostly harmless until they put the dagger in your back, and that's why the answer is world be free. Wow, that's mm-hmm. world be free. <laughs> we'll be sitting on the Iron Throne <laughs> in a fucking nine-piece suit, loving every second of it. Um, all right. Uh, here's a fun one before we go to the ones this, these are all the questions that were under my tweet the next ones are Max's they're much better uh, sorry guys uh, at uh, Landry Slam It whose Twitter name is at bad name one two three four which is mm. awesome who was a better president of basketball operations Colangelo or Magic Johnson who I got uh, huge respect for Magic Johnson because <laughs> do you really who among us who among us if has like had a job they didn't want and if given the opportunity could if you could quit your job while never telling your boss but they know that you quit you obviously take that route um but he should have been smart right like he obviously like who is rich and popular and well-liked and famous and like partially owns the dodgers and like everyone loves them and like younger players want to work with them and he's retired living his best life and then he goes you know what i'll do I'll take a job. Who? Who? 
So, yeah. Until we find out something else maybe that may have happened that caused all this. I'm, I'm on Magic's side. Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like you may have to rescind that uh, Yeah, we'll soon. edit this out. <laughs> what, when, whatever when, happened when with that? Drops I, there was that, yeah, there was know. the thing about the ESPN report coming out. Yeah, Woj, Woj was salty as hell during all this. Yeah. He was tweeting like a like a Spurndex lover. Like, uh, yeah, like, ooh, it was it was harsh. So it'll be interesting to see what does happen. But until that does, I'm on magic set. I definitely, I definitely respect the uh, him basically saying like, "Man, I just want to be able to tweet again." Like, yeah. who, who among us has not had that had that feeling in a job? Like, man, mm-hmm. I just can't tweet the dumb shit on my on my main I, account like I like I, I, like I used to. I did love how magic. First of all, it was not even his press conference. He just like bum rushed the cameras. He was making jokes about it, which is great. You know, he didn't want the job. It's fine. Great. Uh, but he said something along the lines where he was just like, you know, uh, Jeannie Buss is like a sister to me. I, I, I love the Buss family. Um, and I just, you know, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the time or, or to tell her. Um, we had a three-hour meeting yesterday. And I was like, hold on, what? <laughs> you couldn't just drop it there? <laughs> oh, boy. That's fantastic. I love it. Well, he said he um, respected our, her his relationship with her too much to just tell her instead of instead of calling over a gaggle of reporters to yeah. so she could hear it through a Bleacher Report notification on her phone. Here's my quick question: Why isn't the Lakers president of basketball operations just Jeannie Buss? I don't know. I don't understand why you needed to bring Magic Johnson, like a guy who obviously now you can see doesn't even want the job. Like, just do it yourself. Do you think they? Do you think though, like they get LeBron without Magic Johnson? Like, do you, like I, I kind of feel like Magic Johnson was just there to be like the face who's more appealing than Rob Palenka. Sure, but like now what? Yeah, now now nothing. Now they, they have LeBron for season. four more years, I guess. Yeah. Now what? three more years. Yeah. Um. Uh. Here's uh. We're moving on to now. Uh. From Matt at Panasonic DX four five zero zero. Uh. In the playoffs. Uh, I guess in whole or series one or whatever. Uh, over under five and a half minutes per game for Furcon. That is a hard under. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going... Yeah. Uh, I would say the the number of minutes Furcon will play uh, per series, I'm going to say two at, yeah, at maximum. And it'll be like the last two minutes of a blowout. That feels right. And he'll, and he'll um, take seven shots in those two minutes. Yeah. All threes. Um, from at public Benemy, Ben, uh, the E and Ben is a three. Uh, this is actually a good question. I like this one. Who would be a better player, Russ with Ben's shot selection mm. or Ben with Russ's motor? I saw this one before. I actually think it's Ben with Russ's motor. I think right now, like this year, the answer is Russ with Ben's shot selection. But going forward, Ben with Russ's motor for sure. Because ideally, you just have, then he's just a. 6'10", 250-pound Russ. Yeah. Which is better than a 6'2", Russ, <laughs> honestly. Uh, so, yeah. that's yeah. Right now, I think the answer is Russ, and then in the long run, for sure, it is, uh, it's been with Russ's motor. Although, Russ's motor also comes with his drawbacks. But Yeah. Uh, our good friend, uh, Patrick Wall, friend of the pod. Uh, should we have a sound drop where it's just like, friend of the pod? No, not probably not. Uh... Who is your X factor in the series? Could be for either team. Hmm. Um, so I read this as, and I apologize, Patrick, if, if this is not how you meant the question. Like, I'm not going to say like Joel Embiid. 
Yeah. Right? I'm not going to say D'Angelo Russell because I feel like the word the term X factor is misused oftentimes. Like an X factor, well, it's, a te- it's a television show. Well, yes, uh, but I, I feel yeah. like X factor is used a lot of times to like Paul George is an X factor. It's like no, he's the best player on their no, team. Not. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And I don't even think like Steven Adams on that team is an X factor. He's like a, no. a starter and one of their five best play, four best players. Right. Uh, like an X factor would be like Mike Scott, like yeah, Mike Scott, or, or I would even say like I don't think Zaire will be an X factor, but he is the true definition if he makes a difference in the series of an X factor, a guy you just did not expect oh, for to, sure. to contribute, and like even if it's mm-hmm. just fifteen minutes a game, just defending and right. you know, scoring in transition that would be and mm-hmm. hits a few big shots that would be more of an x factor yeah. than any any guy currently in the rotation performing well right. even mike scott i think i think mike scott's the most likely outcome though yeah uh um chris campbell I, i'm just looking at questions too chris campbell asked one too. yeah he asked who's in your bench rotation i think it's a, g- a good segue into that um mm-hmm. i guess maybe a way of expanding on that question like what do you think in an ideal world, uh, everyone healthy and beat healthy and playing normal minutes. What is the like minute breakdown that you want at each position? Uh, or if, uh, what do you want the five starters to play? And then which bench players do you want to play the remaining however many minutes? Well, um, you you start with that answer because I'm going to pull up uh, the minutes per game in the playoffs last year just as a comparison. Okay. Um, so you can you can go ahead and start answering, and I'll interrupt you when I find it. <laughs> okay. So th- yeah, interrupt me at some point because this is just off the dome, and I might be I might be off on this. And not- actually, you know what? I'm gonna have it in in three seconds. Okay. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna stall for three seconds. It. Are you ready? Okay. No, I got it. Uh, so last year in the playoffs per game, now there were ten. They played in ten playoff games, uh, and Embiid only played in eight because of the face injury. Uh, ben Simmons at 36.9 minutes a game. Embiid at 34.8. JJ at 34.2. Dario was 32.9. Covington was 28.1. Uh, and then it went Bellinelli, Ersan, both uh, 27.3 and 23.3. Uh, and then TJ and Amir, 15.5 and, and 11.8. And then a couple of guys with, you know, two, three, four. Yeah. Um, so your, your main rotation there was nine guys. And honestly, uh, Amir got 11.8 minutes per game in eight games, but... Uh, those numbers are most likely skewed from the two games that Embiid didn't play as well. So, can you give me uh, JJ's minutes again? Uh, Thirty-four point two. So he played a lot. He played more than more than he has played in the regular season. Um, yeah, everyone I think bumped up. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Embiid and Embiid mm-hmm. and Simmons weren't that much higher than their just normal averages. I, I feel like this year is going to be different because you don't have Bellinelli and Ilyasova who allowed mm-hmm. you and, and especially Bellinelli who got really hot in some of those games. By the way, uh, Simmons and Embiid's uh, minutes per game in the playoffs were both about three and a half more than they were in the regular season. Okay. That's good to know. Um, yeah. I think this year is going to be different just because they're lacking depth. There's they're lacking any guys that you like absolutely have to play off the bench. Like Bellinelli and Ilyasova right. became that uh, at the, mm-hmm. by the end of last year, it was like, whether if you could have played the starters 48 minutes without any uh, fatigue, you still would have wanted Bellinelli and Eliasova to play some minutes. That's not the case right. this year. It's like you would gladly just like if you could turn fatigue off like in 2K, mm-hmm. you would just play the starters 48 minutes. Um, I think Simmons plays something like 38. I think it's a lot. Um, I think Tobias Harris plays. Let's let's say 38 again. I think I think those two play a lot of minutes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say like 36 for Butler. 
I'm, I'm subtracting this from 240 right now. Uh, I'm going to say 35 for Embiid when he plays. Okay. I'm going to say 30, 35 also for JJ. So mm-hmm. this leaves, that's the starters. That leaves 58 minutes left uh, for, I'd say, if, if Embiid's playing 35, I'm putting Boban at 13. Or I'll, I'll put him at like, well, let's say between Boban and Bolden. I think Boban will typically get those minutes, but there might be a few times in some spot mm-hmm. games where they play Bolden instead or play uh, based on matchup. It's going to be one of the two. So let's just say like 13 or, minutes. Yeah. Let's say 13 minutes primarily Boban. But there a little bit. Yeah, maybe Greg Monroe will play a few of those minutes. Um, but this is like your typical rotation, guys. So now you have mm-hmm. 45 minutes left um, between Mike Scott, TJ, and I would say Zaire Smith. Um, so just as before you go into this, as to note on the regular season, Mike Scott in 27 games has played 24 minutes a game. TJ in 76 games has played 19.3. Zaire mm-hmm. in six has played 18 and a half. Uh, and John Simmons has played 14.6. You know, I'm actually... In 15 games. Yeah. You know, I'm actually I'm actually kind of... Um, I'm kind of tempted to take Boban out of there and, and turn him, him and Bolden into more like... They'll play when they play. Uh, yeah, kind of spot I think guys. that's correct. I'm going to mm-hmm. take that 13 off. So now we're back at 58 minutes. Uh, I'm going to go 30 minutes for Mike Scott. I'm going to go high. I, th- I think Mike Scott plays a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, and he's versatile. He can play a bunch of positions. I agree. I put TJ at like 15 minutes just sure. because I think you can't play him with, with Ben as much. And there might be five minutes of overlap in a game, but you're going to try to limit that as much as possible. That leaves you 13. Mm-hmm. So I think between. Um, whether they're playing Zaire Boban. And John Simmons. Yeah, I think like Zaire I think Zaire Smith plays most of that. And I think like obviously in there there's also the Bolden and Boban because I think mm-hmm. they will play. Uh, right. I think you will have a backup big sometimes. But I think a lot of times they're just gonna go smaller if they can. Right. Um but I would say those are the guys that I, I'm pretty confident will play every game would be the yeah, starters I mean, and then Mike Scott yeah. at thirty, TJ at fifteen, and then the rest are kind of variable between Bolden, Boban. Zaire Smith and maybe Ennis if he's back. I don't think Jonathan Simmons really fights for that spot, even though he played well last game of the season. Yeah, I think uh, Brett basically said the rotation is like eight and a half deep, and I think those eight and a half are the starters, then Mike Scott, TJ. Uh, that one and a half would be a combination of, uh, I think, Zaire and, and Jonathan Simmons, and then the miscellany of Bolden, Boban, Corkmaz, if something was to you know come up or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's probably most likely what the... What you're looking at, you know, barring, you know, injuries and foul troubles and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I do think uh, I do think if you can get Boban on the floor, it, it's worth playing him ten or fifteen minutes a game because he's he's clearly one of their one of their more impactful bench players, and he's been really yeah. good since he came back. I mean, before the knee injury, but also since he's come back, he's been pretty effective. Um, it depends on who's out there, obviously, but. Uh, you know, if like Ed Davis is out there, or what you know, whoever the Nets are going to throw out um, beyond Jarrett, like Jared Allen, um, I, I think if Jared Allen's out there, Boban Boban works. Um, I think if they use another big behind him, you could play Boban and try to play him play him as much as possible. And then with mm-hmm. the, the, I think with the Raptors, Boban would actually play a lot if you get there, yeah. um, just because you do have Marcus All and you have uh, you have a lot of size on that team. Yeah. Um, I got two more, and then you can grab some more too if you want. Uh, but I think I just only have two more. Uh, John Barber at Joe Badog 
uh, asks, who scares you most, uh, Lavert, Dinwiddie, or Russell? <coughs> it's the easy answer, but my answer there is D'Angelo Russell. Because I don't see a version of this series where D'Angelo doesn't drop 40 at least once. Uh, anybody who's just a threat to do that is always dangerous. And like you mentioned before, he's become a really, really great pick-and-roll player, and that always is dangerous to the Sixers. Um, he is like the... If you were making a prototypical Sixers killer, you would just take D'Angelo Russell and hike up his offensive rebounding ability. <laughs> and he'd be the prototype, like, absolute worst nightmare of the 76ers. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think, you know, maybe a... a that's the obvious answer, but I, I'd maybe say that like they're going to game plan so heavily uh, to try to stop D'Angelo Russell. I think that mm-hmm. I do kind of feel like someone like Dinwiddie is going to win them a game more than D'Angelo Russell is going to win them a game. And I, when I say that, I just mean that someone like Joe Harris or Dinwiddie or whatever is going to get hot and mm-hmm. and and score twenty five, and that's going to be why they win a game more so than like right. D'Angelo Russell willing them with forty points. Like I, I just think they're going yeah. to. They're going to game plan uh, knowing that D'Angelo Russell is either going to go off uh, and they're going to like allow that to happen a little bit, or they'll put more of their energy if he's if he's really hot into um, trying to slow him down. And I think it's it's more going to be about everyone else. Like if if you have mm-hmm. a couple other guys get really hot uh, in a couple of the games, I, I could see them losing those more than I, I don't think D'Angelo Russell can win them a game against the Sixers in, the, in this series on his own basically yeah absolutely um here's one from at oh my god ryan uh why aren't the big free agents interested in coming to philly why can't we get Kawhi, kd or clay these are perfect fits and make us real championship contenders i'm going to make a point here to say uh we don't know if big free agents aren't interested in coming to philly we just know lebron wasn't uh it's it's a losing proposition to try to figure out what's going on in kevin durant's head that's stage one there um he wants the spotlight but doesn't want to be criticized and he wants to see himself as like the victim or the villain uh so he will always gravitate towards us why he went to golden state it's probably why if he goes anywhere else he'll probably end up going to the knicks uh so that's i mean that's just in his mind uh clay's not going anywhere and Kawhi was traded so we don't know what Kawhi wants or where he may land um so I don't think it's necessarily that the big freedoms aren't interested in coming to Philly. Um, I do think that that could be true. It could be possible. Um, but there's only so much you can do to endear yourself to a potential free agent, right? Because every single one of them... The, I think there's this general idea that players want two things, money and to win. And that's mostly true, but people weigh those things very differently. Um, people see... Uh, people's opinion of, of what is good money for what and what how much they want to win and how they fit with the team is very different too. So you can position yourself to be this great uh, free agent destination uh, the best you can and players still might not want to come and play with you. Uh, also, like people, I mean, I know it is, but people don't see Philadelphia as a big media market. I think people think if I'm going to go to a city where I'm going to be cold a bunch, it's probably going to be New York. Um, but also, like, look at like, I think a team that is like prime destined like to, to just like plug and play a premier free agent better than anybody in the entire NBA is Denver. Mm-hmm. And they don't really have that right now. I think if you put Clay Thompson on Denver, they're like fucking unreal. Uh, but they don't, you know, there's, there seems to be no interest there, at least as far as we know. 
So it's really a player by player basis. I don't think it's necessarily known that freedoms don't want to come here, but I think it's entirely possible. And there's only really so much you can do about that. I think too, we're kind of overrating or, or uh, misremembering how this typically works. Like even KD, it's not like in the lead up to the 2016 off season, uh, like at this point in the year, there was all this talk about KD going to the Warriors. Like that, that right. didn't come up until much later. And I think what you see is like the Knicks and the Nets and the Lakers. Now that they're out of the playoffs, like those teams are you. That's who you hear rumors about, or you hear that guys are interested in going there. Or that Kyrie and the Knicks might hook up. Like you don't hear that about teams that are right now contending for the finals. Like that just right. typically doesn't happen unless it's a situation like with Kawhi and the Lakers or Paul George and the Lakers or Russ and the right. Lakers. It's basically only the Lakers and bad teams with who are freeing up money for the next summer that you hear this about. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't think we would know one way or the other. Um, I agree with the, the, the idea. Like if they get to the off season and Jimmy walks and they have a lot of trouble bringing in anyone, I would be kind of surprised because uh, you know, I know it's Philadelphia and it's not LA and it's not Miami, but there's only so many LA's, Miami's, and New York's, and Philadelphia is a major media market. It's a fine city as much as any other NBA city is, more so than than a lot of them. Um, and and it's kind of a plug and play situation where you have two superstar young players. You have Tobias Harris. You have, um, assuming they're not knocked out in the first round, and and getting a new coach. You have stability in terms of a head coach. Um, who's well liked like i i just it, it is hard to imagine why nobody would want to come to philly but we haven't seen that mm-hmm. like that that's not really been what's what's happened like we haven't really had an opportunity to see that and right um all indications are that tobias harris wants to come back uh mm-hmm. jimmy butler's more of a question mark although i think he was going to be a question mark no matter who traded for him um so i don't i don't know if we have any evidence that they're not the big free agents aren't interested in in philly uh Right. I think, I think, also, we'll, I I think mean, we'll find it out later. I just think we wouldn't know yeah. one way or the other at this point. And also, the Sixers aren't going to be like uh, flirting as as openly as a team like the Knicks or Clippers, whatever, are because they don't have the money unless Jimmy Butler leaves. And I don't think they want to like signal that that's what they want. You know, obviously, if KD was like, "Hey, I'll come to Philly," it's like, "All right, see you, Jimmy Butler," but they're not going to indicate that now, right. anyway. Or Kawhi. That's or also. Whatever. Just three more things that I just thought of. One, let's not forget that they, for a couple of years there, the Sixers had an incredibly terrible general manager uh, in Brian Colangelo. Uh, players generally seem to like familiarity. Places where they have like familiarity with uh, a team they were already on or a coach they used to play for or you know players they used to play with or something like that. And that's why you make moves like trading for Butler and trading for Tobias right before they go into free agency to give them that sense of familiarity. So that way, when they if they're looking at free agency and like you, someone like Denver is like, here's all this money, you're like, yeah, but I don't know what playing in Denver would be like. I know what playing in Philly was like, and I liked it. So that's a little step up there. And let's not also uh, forget that the over the last two seasons, for a majority of the time, uh, outside of your two homegrown stars, the third best player on the team was JJ Redick, who was assigned, signed as a free agent. Now he's not like a Clay Thompson level, but he was a very important part of this team this year and last year. Uh, and that was a free agent signing. So I think that is, you know, it, it, like, 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 like we both said, like, you don't know if players don't want to come here. It's entirely possible. But I also don't think that might, it might not be the worst thing in the world either. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
I, I do think that I do think they'll be okay though. I think if Jimmy Butler yeah. leaves, I, I think probably what they'll do, uh, honestly, not to get too, not to take the blinders off too much, but uh, I do think they'll just spread that money around and try to and try to fix the depth. And I mean, unless they can get someone big, maybe, maybe Kemba would be yeah. like the 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 lowest level star that they would throw all that money at. And I think if it's yeah. not someone at least that good, I think it's it's to fill out depth, and that might not be the worst thing in the world if that happens. Mm-hmm. I think it's also worth worth noting that uh, just as a small part of this too, then that recent Athletic did a recent player anonymous player poll, and I don't know how many players they asked or which players they asked, because um, obviously everybody in the league didn't give, it, give an answer to it. But uh, they asked uh, questions about the coach you would most like to play for that's not your own, and the coach you would least like to play for that's not your own. I think Brett maybe got two votes, maybe one vote for player coach you would most like to play for, but he didn't get any for least. So. There are places in the league. I mean, granted, Tibbs was number one, and Tibbs isn't coach currently. But uh, there yeah. are definitely teams where where that becomes a factor, where players don't want to play for a certain coach yeah. in a certain system. Um, obviously, everyone wants to play. Everyone would love to play for Popovich. He was number one by far. Um, but like, yeah. So I don't think that is necessarily a factor. I think it has more to do with a lot of other um, uh, uh, things going on with individual players, just their personal preference. Um, perhaps they don't like ownership. I don't like ownership. Uh, so yeah, I, I just don't think it's really a long-term issue if it's an issue at all. I agree with that. You know, something we didn't yeah. talk about, I, we're kind of out of questions, but something we didn't talk about, and I know you have to run, um, maybe it's something to save for next time, but did you read the GQ Zaire Smith, uh, piece that came out the other uh, day? No, no. I only saw the snippets and to be honest, they sounded gross. Yeah. It was pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, I couldn't imagine... Uh, that's like that's also just truly incredible, right? Everything else aside, like Zaire Smith, I don't think people like really think about this and really realize it. He almost died. Yeah, and he's back on the court this season, and he looks pretty like, good. He like looks, he looks yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like he's back to close to where he was physically before. Right. He's obviously lost uh, something from just having like from like living in a hospital for a couple of months. Uh, that will do things uh, to your ability to play professional basketball, but just the, the him being on the floor at all and playing at a level that is above like the 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 lowest of lows is astonishing. Yeah, and uh, you know it just shows you his work ethic and and his drive, and it's just it's truly incredible. Yeah, and I would um, highly suggest like, it's that so impressive. I, I would highly suggest anyone who who hasn't read it. Uh, or, or seeing at least the snippets from it to, to go and do that because it was it was pretty interesting and uh, made me feel pretty good about Zaire Smith is you know just his his you know drive and work ethic and everything but um, I think a lot of times we kind of forget that uh, we we kind of think of player injuries uh, almost like in two K when it's like you just get this notification that's like this guy has broken his leg and he'll be out for three to four months it's like there's a lot involved in that like there's yeah. the entire process the rehab process the surgery and recovery from that uh complications uh just like all the all the things you need to do just to get yourself back to where you were before it's like mm-hmm. like he he lost like 60 pounds and was and was in a hospital on like a feeding tube for like two months uh right. and then even when he came out like has had to really, like really limit what he eats and has been like was on a liquid diet for a while so it's like i think sometimes we for, we just think about like the amount of time that someone misses and kind of imagine them mm-hmm. like almost in like a cryogenic chamber during that but like there is like right. also just like a huge emotional toll and just like uh 
all the other things associated with that, like that he just wasn't able to do for all that time beyond working yeah, out what, and playing. Th- that's another reason too, and this is a larger conversation for a different time, but uh, why I hate when people uh, describe players as injury prone as a negative on that player's character or skill uh, because it is entirely and wholly outside of their control. Um, and to use injury prone uh, to negatively talk about a player's drive or anything like that is is just so absurd to me. And I think it's one of the uh, like worst parts of like the, one of the worst general and like widespread parts of, of sports fandom uh, that like the idea being like this this person has bad luck or maybe they have a genetic thing where like they just don't they just t- tend to break their, break a bone and, or, or tear something or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then people talk about it like it's that player's personal failings that are causing that. Uh, and that really bothers me. So that's just a completely side note thing. Well, yeah, as, as if a player could like will themselves to, to yeah, not right. being prone yeah. to, to, you know, uh, ligament damage or whatever it is, foot right, injuries. Yeah. And like some people are injury prone and that is just like a fact of, of what's happened in their career. But it's a fact of what's happened in their career. It's not a, a an indictment of them as a player or a person or a, or a, someone who is like not trying hard enough like or their, whatever. Their toughness or whatever. Yeah, there's always a lot of like underlying like not tough enough because he's injury prone thing. Like if he was just slightly angrier all the time, he wouldn't have broken his leg. It's like no, that's not. Just stop it. So that bothers me. But yeah, uh, I think that's all we got today, uh, Maxwell. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's it. We uh, literally, uh, right about now, uh, tomorrow, the, uh, the game will just be starting. It's currently 2.40 p.m. on Friday. Uh, very exciting. Not nervous for now. Eyes ahead. Eye on the prize. I have a really cool t-shirt design like in my head if they get to the finals. So get to the finals so I can sell this cool t-shirt. Also, buy a t-shirt. Use coupon code here they come through Sunday at midnight for money off at stepoverstore.com. Nice. Give you a got thumbs that, up. But got I, that in there right at the it. end. Yeah, no one listens this far, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, here they come. No spaces. And then stay tuned for my cool design when they finally make the finals. And we will talk to you uh, soon, shortly, next time. Thank you for listening. Uh, and let's go. Blinders on. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black, got the boosters black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Can't nobody feel me. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. 
You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.